Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Teferit Talk. I'm Melissa Studdard and this is the Blog Talk Radio Show for Teferit, a journal of spiritual literature, where we publish writings and engage in dialogue to promote peace in the individual and in the world. We're thrilled that you're with us right now, and we would love for you to also join our global online community. You can find it at www.teferitjournal.com. There, in addition to interacting with other members, reading their writings, and posting your own, you can subscribe to the journal, which in each issue presents beautiful, spiritually and intellectually compelling poetry, prose, and art. This evening's guest is poet, author, artist, coach, and interfaith minister, Kanta Bosniak. Bosniak is a nationally recognized expert on what she calls abundance triggers, the practice of using art, interior design, and other anchors to enhance positive focus. She has a private practice of coaching and guided imagery in southwestern Virginia. Bosniak's books include Abundance Triggers, Twin Flames, and The Becoming Process. As well, Bosniak has been featured in magazines such as Studies in Education, Raw Vision, Sage Woman, and Oracle 2020, and was twice artist-in-residence at Omega Institute. Of Abundance Triggers, Reverend Nancy J. Orstaglio says, Kanta Bosniak is a soulful voice for finding within ourselves what has never really been lost, ourselves. In her groundbreaking new book, Abundance Triggers, she offers unique and self-affirming tools that we can use to trigger the knowledge of our essential nature and living our lives more abundantly. Kanta, welcome. It's so, Thanks so, so nice much. to speak with you again. I've been it's looking forward pleasure. to this for a long time. <laughs> I have too. Um, Well, I know I said a little bit about abundance triggers in the intro, but could you take that a little more in depth for us by explaining more about what abundance triggers are and maybe even giving some specific examples? Sure. Abundance triggers are tools that you can use to switch your state. Anybody who's worked in a large institutional setting knows that that organization has an emergency plan for what to do in the case of fire, earthquake, flood, you name it. And um, these things rarely happen, and yet each and every one of us has a quote-unquote emergency. In other words, Something unpleasant, something threatening to our well-being knocks on our door literally many times a day. Eckhart Tolle calls it the pain body. It's sometimes called the shadow, the ego, whatever you might might call it. I think we all know what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and an abundance trigger is a tool, and it may be a visual tool, it may be a kinesthetic or feeling tool, It may be an auditory tool, such as an affirmation or a slogan or even one word. Um, 
and there are certainly other ones, but those are the basic ones. We can use these tools to switch our state from um, a state of lack and fear and anxiety or whatever form the pain body is most apt to show up um, to a prosperity consciousness, relaxation, joy, excitement in, in its positive sense rather than anxiety, but excitement. Um, we, can, we can use a variety of tools. And um, the basic ones um, are physical ones. What, mm-hmm. can you, what can you look at? What can you place in your environment so that when you see it, you feel happy? I'm sitting mm-hmm. at my desk right now. And I'm looking at pictures of my family. I mm. see my dad, who's passed a few years ago, who I still feel, um, I feel his presence. I feel him around me, and I feel him to be a blessing in my life. I see my son and daughter-in-law. I see my little grandson. And when I mm. see these things, I feel happy. Mm-hmm. So this is just a natural thing that we do. Why do we have these photographs? We we have them to evoke the joy and love that we feel in our hearts, and we also are reminded when we see these things that we are loved. I, I think ultimately abundance triggers. Uh, the, the ultimate purpose of them is not only to remind us that we that we love and that we are loved, but to align us with the highest and best part of ourselves in which we are love. Mm-hmm. We, we are love. Mm-hmm. So um, examples of a an auditory trigger would be I am loved or I am love or anything that is meaningful to you. It might even be something like, for me, oh, Al Green or Aretha Franklin or Shaka Khan or, or any number of people who do um, R&B or, or jazz. When I hear that music, or Bach for that matter, when I hear music that I feel um, aligned with, whether it be relaxing music or upbeat music, it puts me right away in, in a feeling of, of happiness. And I think we all... We all we all have those those um, bits of music that that mm-hmm. are a soundtrack to our happy life. It's just that sometimes we forget we forget to use so, those those tools. So what you're talking about then is um, ways to consciously shift our state into a more positive direction. Yes, exactly. Kinesthetic okay. tools might be physical movement, whatever it is mm-hmm. that you most enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, right. that's dance. Where... <laughs> is that sad? <laughs> it, can okay. be, it can be snuggling up with a squishy comforter in a book. It can be, it's whatever it is for the individual. And mm-hmm. um, the, book, the book, Abundance Triggers, presents a whole myriad of options for that toolbox and also 
creates questions. I, I think ask good questions and your mind will give you, it will generate answers. And so mm-hmm. I, I really like to help people, I like to facilitate, whether it's in a workshop or in a talk or in a book, I like to mm-hmm. offer people opportunities to um, to let their minds generate good answers to good questions. And also, uh, I love t- to offer opportunities for hands-on um, explorations with uh, drawing and writing and things like that. Mm, great. Okay, so I've got a really good understanding about the triggers part from what you just said. Where does abundance come in, or how does that fit into the whole thing? Where abundance comes in is that I think we all understand that happy is the launch pad for mm-hmm. manifestation work. And um but I think not not everyone has a, a really good idea where the happy button is. Mm. And I think there need to be as I was saying, I think with the preparedness issue. If you're prepared with a whole menu of abundance triggers that you have recognized for yourself um, that work for you, starting with mm-hmm. the most simple, you know, the simple, um, call it first aid, things like get out of your head. You know, when, when I work with uh, wedding couples and I'm standing there with the groom right before the wedding, <laughs> you know, who probably hasn't done a lot of public speaking or isn't used to being on stage um, and may be nervous, I suggest to him, focus your body out of your head, focus in your body out of your head and feel your feet on the floor. Mm. Because when we are stressed and anxious, um, we tend to squeeze ourselves way up high um, on the top of our head, or even above the top of our head, energetically, and that—that's that's anxiety right there. If you—I'm mm-hmm. not talking as a therapist because I'm not a therapist, but I'm just talking as a human being and a spiritual coach. Mm-hmm. If you bring your attention into your body and really feel your connection with your senses, you're going to feel better right away. So that's—that's that's first aid, and then you know going through. Exam, you know, a self-examination process of what are my visuals, what are my visual triggers for that make me feel good, what are my auditory ones, what are my kinesthetic ones, and then getting a little deeper. What's my old story? What's what? What am I telling myself? What would I have to believe to be feeling this way right now? What are my underlying <laughs> beliefs? And then. I mean, you're, you get into some really deep and powerful abundance triggers by identifying better stories. Mm-hmm. And when you change the stories and when you go even deeper, which is identify purpose mm-hmm. and identify things that you can do that help you feel in alignment with your purpose, you're going to, and getting back to 
I've been answering your question in a roundabout manner, and I'm going to come right back to it. Great. When you feel aligned and happy and purposeful, and you're doing the things that you like to do in your life, your your energy is going to attract openings of doors. It's going to attract help. It's going to attract positive experiences. Mm-hmm. And when I say this, I really mean to be clear that that this isn't a, a trick. This isn't kind of a parlor trick, uh, a quick and dirty and, and cheap parlor trick to trick God into giving you stuff. I really, really um, dislike the the sort of narcissistic attitude of it's all about me and how much stuff can I get using mm-hmm. using God tricks. But God is not a trick, and the energy that energy which we find it convenient to call God, when we align with that. Um, we are not in a selfish space. We're in a space of I want to give. I want to give my talents. I want to give my gifts. And that naturally mm-hmm. does come back as resources. Mm-hmm. But 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 seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. It's mm-hmm. the seeking of happiness and joy and putting yourself in a place of happiness that that creates the shift that then brings abundance. Mm-hmm. That's um, how it works. You know- Thank you. I, I wanna I wanna read something to you from your own book <laughs> okay. that kind of really had a good impact on me. And it's on page forty five. It's a passage about the magic stance for manifestation. And you said when it comes to manifestation, the magic stance is like that of a tennis champ, alert, mm-hmm. loose, open to respond to what is, not what he or she expects or demands. Tennis pros don't refuse to return the ball or fail to recognize its existence unless it appears conveniently on their dominant side. <laughs> They're ready for the backhand or to race to the net if that's what's called for. And it, it goes on, and it's very interesting. But I was thinking about that um, because the thing that I noticed about your writing that I really like is that you have all of these wonderful analogies, and the analogies help us um, not only to understand things better, but also to remember them. So in a way, they the analogies themselves are like the triggers that you're talking about, at least for me, that the tennis thing will be yeah. now. Um, yeah. But I was thinking also about writing, because you're also a writer, and um, you're a poet, and, and you write these nonfiction books to help people. And I was just thinking how applicable that is as well to writing, and I was wondering if you found that to be the case also, that same stance, right, for writing? Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. I put myself in a very open place when I write. Um, I I tend to um, I tend to someone um, someone one of the reviewers of Abundance Triggers actually said it was a channeled book, and that, that's that's an overstatement. But it is an inspired book in the sense that um, I do wake up with words. I, w- I wake up with words whether I'm writing nonfiction or whether I'm writing poetry. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do wake up when I'm in a writing flow. Um, I wake up with with bits and chunks, 
and mm-hmm. I can um, I can I can put myself in a I mean I'm you know when you're waking up in the morning you're you're naturally in that place and 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 there there are ways that you can put yourself as I'm sure you're very well aware you can put mm-hmm. yourself in that that kind of open place. Um, through meditation, through self-hypnosis, through hypnosis, through creativity, and, and also through kind of, I want to say, not mindful activity, but mindless activity, where, mm-hmm. you know, you're driving your car on 81 or on some sort of major highway where you really just, you know what you're doing, you've been on that road a million times before, and if you needed to, you could certainly snap to attention, but meanwhile, um, you're in highway hypnosis, and boom, fabulous ideas come. You know, or you're knitting, or crocheting, or you're washing the dishes, or or walking, or any of these kinds of things. I mean, you can put yourself, and I I do, and I'm imagining that you do too, as a, the creative person that you are. You put your, you can put yourself into a place like that of that you just described um, or or read, that tennis player plays of openness um, on purpose. I mean, I think we wake up like that and we can can make the most of it if we don't immediately turn on the radio, turn on the news. Um, We don't read a book while we're eating breakfast or read the newspaper or read uh, our Facebook. You know, we, we take a moment to just be quiet. Um, I, I sit there with my yellow legal, legal pad and a pen. And um, even if I take myself out to breakfast, I, I take I take my writing stuff with me and I just let myself look out the window and pay attention to what shows up you know, uh, as a writer. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I just said that's great. <laughs> Um, I wanted to ask you also about the artwork, um, mm-hmm. the, the artwork, because you do so many different things between, you know, among the ministering, the writing, the leading workshops, coaching, um, you just do all these wonderful things, and I want to make sure that we get to talk about a few of them, and the, the artwork that I'm familiar with, obviously, is the artwork in your books, and it's, um, right. to me, it has that kind of paradoxical quality that that really great mm-hmm. wisdom always has where it's kind of simple and easy to access yet it's kind of deep and sophisticated spiritually at the same time and Thank I you. wanted to, well you're welcome and um, I wanted to see if you would speak a little bit about that quality and also um, tell us a little bit more about your artwork and maybe some of the shows you've had and how that relates okay. to what you're doing I, I thank you. Um You're welcome. and uh yeah, I think that that spirituality and um earthiness that kind of chord um chord with C H O R D mm-hmm. two notes at the same time like the like the two like the the monks the Tibetan monks can do. Mhm. That's really the that's that's really an apt description of pretty much everything I do, whether it's writing, art, or anything else. I, I think that even public speaking, I, I think that, you know, the best way to get, and, and for that matter, my work as a, as a hypnotherapist, I mean, the best way to get a spiritual idea across is mm-hmm. to ground it 
in imagery mm. and grounded in 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 uh, language that anyone can understand and relate to so um the the connecting link between everything I do is ministry. The art is ministry. The writing is ministry. The ministry is in ministry. It's all ministry, really. Um, my email address for, for anyone who knows me is artforspirit at yahoo.com. And, you know, um, and so I have always connected in my mind, I've always connected art and writing because of the very first um, really strong uh, influences on me, which were books, children's books that had uh, compelling ideas, compelling ideas. And so there was a book, Stories That Never Grow Grow Old, which which were basically uh, fairy tales and myths that were beautifully illustrated. And, and I just fell in love with those illustrations. And to me, the stories and the, and the pictures were intimately connected. And then, you know, the book, um, The Little Engine That Could by Waddy Piper. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my goodness. I mean, I think I can. <laughs> that idea I mean you know I learned to read really early and before school I was reading and, and I was reading that book and I loved 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 that book and I loved the pictures and to me again they were completely connected um, and then um, later on when I, when I was um, an adolescent I was writing uh, illustrated letters to my friends, mm-hmm. and I really think of the books as illustrated letters to my friends. They they may be friends I I haven't met in person. But... <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That is so interesting that you said that because um, I I was thinking like while I was asking that question that one of the things that I like about the book is that it seems so friendly and intimate. And then Mm. that's what sort of launched me into asking that question. And then you've kind of come full circle back to what was in my mind that I didn't even tell you. That's (laughs) fascinating. (laughs) I think of them as I'm writing to my, to my, you know, to my girlfriends, you know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, um, I do have a huge readership in amongst women bigger than with men though men certainly I mean I always underestimate my demographic and you know more more people are reading me than I think are reading me I mean always but but uh but it is there are a lot of women readers and and I that's how I mean I think of when I'm writing I'm sitting there writing to my friend that's how I feel about it and and the so the the books are illustrated with um black and white line drawings, very simple ones, and um the covers are generally i think there's only one um which is abundance triggers, which is a, a photograph of me lighting candles on an altar which which is so obviously connected to the theme of the book I chose to use it but uh every other one is um taken from a painting of uh, so my paintings are very bright and childlike and fun and they're certainly spiritual but they're also fun Mm -hmm. and I think probably 
the highest compliment anyone ever paid me um, about my art was, the thing that I like about your art, Kanta, she said, is that it's both beautiful and funny. And that (laughs) pleases me. (laughs) That really pleases me, you know. Mm, So um, most of what I do is mandalas, which are uh, used on the covers of most of the books are are themed around the mandala. Um, I do a lot of things with hearts mm-hmm. um, because I'm a romantic. Um, mm-hmm. No question about it. Um, I also love to do. I, I love biography. I love to read about and write about people who have really just done neat, neat things. Out of the box mm-hmm. thinkers, humanitarians, people who followed their bliss um, Mm -hmm. and really not having an idea where it was going to lead but trusting it. Um, And so when I was a a little kid, I read biographies out the wazoo and I I still have a fascination with um, how every single person has his or her own dharma, their own essence, their own what makes them themselves. And so, you know, as a coach, I I find it fascinating to get to know people so that I can support them. And I also um, have done a whole series of portraits, which I use as teaching tools, of these these modern icons. Um, Mm -hmm. And so um, the originals are not for sale and never going to be for sale in my lifetime. But um, and actually, I have a show right now at the Center for Peace Studies at Virginia Tech uh, of some of these, and and they've been shown at the ARE, um, the Edgar mm-hmm. Casey, um, and uh, various amazing places, universities, mm-hmm. and so on. But um, I did want to make a form that people could actually own and and that would be super affordable. So I ended up this year, very it was kind of new and exciting for me. I, I made them into um, very accessible 11 by, um, 11 by 14 posters. So they're on Etsy, and anyone can just find my Etsy store. Uh, it's Minister of Art, and just just my name will get you there. So that's kind of a um, a cross-section of the various different kinds of art I do. And, and, and really, any, any of these pieces of art um, are meant as abundance triggers. I mean, it, it's, it's meant to lift people up simply by looking at it. I mean, there, part of it is the joy that I feel when I do it is, I think, mm-hmm. transmitted through the art itself. Mm-hmm. And part of it is that I choose uh, subjects, whether it's a person or whether it's a symbol, mm-hmm. like, the, say, the chalice is a symbol of prosperity and the heart is a symbol of love and so on. And the mandala is a symbol of wholeness and oneness with, with our source. Um, so all of these these images are meant as abundance triggers and function as abundance triggers. Um, and that's their purpose. Yeah, it's interesting sort of flipping through them right now. The the pictures, even the ones that are not mandalas, have mm-hmm. a mandala 
quality to them, um, and I think that's a thread that runs through the ones that I've seen anyway. Um, and I like that. It's really nice. <laughs> Thank um, you. I want, you're welcome. I wanted to ask you, um, you know, in reading your book, you came to these wisdoms really early. I mean, I think you said you were five when you started really kind of um, feeling the need to learn how to shift your emotional state and use art spiritually and that yep. kind of thing. And, Actually, um, even earlier than that, I, by five I was beginning to consciously play with it. I, I kind of came to it unconsciously about three or so, but but five I was really like, okay, um, I can do this. Let's find out different ways to do it. And and uh, I know that sounds odd, and maybe it, no, maybe it is. On I mean, but you know what? Melissa, I think kids are smarter than we think they are. <laughs> I agree. Totally agree. I mean, I, I, I look at my grandson and I think, holy cow, what is he going to be? If he's like this, it's it's six and a half months. <laughs> but, right, um, right. But, you know, well, it, it, was a, it was a pretty challenging early life, and, and um, this, is, this is just a fact. It's, it's not, you know, to be a, a pity party. And, and I'm, as I look back on it, I'm grateful because I think I had the perfect – childhood to learn what I learned and teach what I teach. Giving you a chance to get a word in edgewise. Hello? Hi, Kanta. It looks like uh, Melissa's call got dropped. Oh, Okay. So um, it says there was a problem. It looks like it was. Um, so we'll just wait a couple of minutes for her to. Um, Absolutely, no problem. And what a marvelous interview! I love to hear that. The, just the sound of your voice is soothing as it is. Aww. <laughs> also, what you've had to say. I have um, been a life coach myself mm-hmm. for uh, mentoring people with it right, and also. Um, well, that's really specific. Yeah. Specific that way. Yeah, Melissa, you back? Okay, dear. <laughs> I am. I'm sorry I got disconnected. That's okay. It was all crazy. Um, what did I miss? No, actually, don't repeat it because I don't want to do that to our listeners. Um, Jeff, were you asking a question, or should I pop in with the rest of mine? No, I was. I was just making a statement that I was a life coach, and I was just going to ask her a, a question while we're waiting for you to come back on about um, what she finds the most gratifying and satisfying um, when working. Oh, that's clients. a great question. <laughs> That is a great question, and and when people get a sense of mastery, that they that they can really that they can learn how to make those shifts on their own, it just makes me so happy. It, it I I recently I recently this this was absolutely uncharacteristic of me. I I usually am or at least I like to think of myself as very professional and organized. But one day, not so much. And um, I had heard a knock on the door, and um, someone uh, was there, and she was there for an appointment, and I I was completely taken by surprise um, because I wasn't paying attention. I was in a creative mode, and there she was. And she said to me, it's not a problem. She said, I'm not angry. And I thought, oh, she's not angry at me for 
for blowing the appointment. That's nice. But she said, no, I'm not angry. And because she had, that was her, you know, that was what she, she was coming for, to learn how to not be angry, to learn how to be peaceful, um, she had accomplished her goal. She was telling me, it's not a problem. I don't need this appointment. Go on about your business. We'll reschedule. I'm not angry anymore. Wow. Oh, thank you so I can't much. tell you how happy that made me. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to put the wonderful. ship back into the after sand. Thank you so much for the <laughs> Well, that was great. And it actually kind of addresses what I was leading into anyway, which was just that, you know, you, you went from having these recognitions and learning how to do this work for yourself to wanting to share it with other people. And I was just wondering, um, you know, how has sharing in this way impacted your own life? Oh, it's just uh, so satisfying and delicious. And I think, I think, you know, have you ever spoken with a teacher who is an absolutely wonderful teacher that you had when you were in school and now they've kind of moved up the totem pole and now they're an administrator, maybe they're a vice <laughs> principal or they're, they're a principal and, and they say, well, you know, yeah, I, I like my job, but I really miss the kids, and that's what mm-hmm. I got into, into this field for. And right. I, and, you know, they feel adrift. It, it's like, to me, um, I, I, yes, I can be a, a guest minister and guest speaker and fly around the country and do this and that, and I can have published books and go to signings and all that stuff, and it's nice, and I love it. And I feel very grateful and blessed that I, I get to do it. But it's the one-on-one that keeps me fresh and keeps me coming up with new solutions and new ideas because what happens is when a client comes with, a, with, um, with an issue, whatever it may be, or they have a goal or they have whatever it may be, my mind goes to work on it. And I come up with imagery and, and with a pathway from here to there. And I, I break it up in chunks, you know, six chunks, actually. Okay, here they are. This is where they want to be. What's it going to take to get there? What's the mind movie, or really the mind miniseries, if you will, because it's going to be six chunks that's going to get them from here to there. What If they're the hero or the heroine of their own journey and, and we're taking a journey, what does that journey look like? And it's that creative process that informs not only the the successions I'm doing with that person, but it informs books and it informs me as a person and expands me to to come up with those creative solutions. It's it's I will I will always do this, always. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's part of the balance. That is such a great answer. Thank you. <laughs> um, I couple of last things. You said one of the things that really stood out to me in Abundance Triggers is that you said that you put your fearful ego on a diet and fed it more <laughs> compassion than less self. And I think that's such an important distinction between compassion and pity, and especially compassion and self-pity. And I wanted to see if you could just elaborate more on that, what you meant by it, and, and what that sure. would look like in, sure. in practice. Great. Thank yes. you. Yes. 
I think that um, we, I think we need to recognize that we are both human and spiritual beings. So um, it's important when we feel pain of whatever variety it may be. Um, we feel we feel hurt. We feel angry. We feel lonely. Whatever the thing is, um, Jacqueline Small, the um, transpersonal psychotherapist, coined the phrase "spiritual bypass," which means trying to pretend, trying to pose, trying to jump over those tricky emotions and pretend that you don't have them. I don't think that really works. I don't. I don't think you want to dwell. And mm-hmm. in those in those emotions, but I do think that you begin with empathy, you begin with compassion, and you you give some comfort there, so that the little kid part of you feels heard. And it's amazing. As soon as you, it doesn't take a long time. You're not mm-hmm. you're not rehearsing those emotions. You're not rehearsing the melodrama. You're just simply giving compassion and acknowledgement. It's amazing how quickly, when you do that, you can move past it, and you can move up the feeling scale, and you can move and align yourself very quickly in the highest and best place of yourself, where you're you have um, some non-attachment going, and you have a connection to your wise self. In fact, you're in your wise self, and so you can make better decisions, and you can feel more compassion for those who might have been challenging, you know, mm-hmm. who might have um, uh, triggered that, whatever it was, within you to begin with. Right. So compassion, it, it starts with self-empathy, and then that moves you over to a place where you can have empathy. Mm-hmm. And um, self-pity or pity of others I don't think is helpful. I think I think self-pity keeps us stuck, and I think, Pity is not particularly respectful of others because because everyone has within them um, uh, a great mind and and the capacity to learn how to solve problems and it's not up to us to um, be the savior of anyone you know it, it's up to us to help where we can it's up to us to definitely be our brother's keeper in the sense of, you know, doing what we can, you know, mm-hmm. and um, helping to empower, helping to extend help when it's needed. But mm-hmm. pity is is um, is really contempt with a, with a tutu on, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> That's great. And I love also you made really wonderful distinctions between prayer and meditation. And um, when you talked about how they work together, you came into one of these other good analogies that you use. And this one was about um, a, sort of like a love relationship or seduction. And, and, you know, it was really almost more like a um, like a little allegory or something. Do you, I know sometimes when we write so much we can't remember all the details. Do you happen to remember? <laughs> Well enough to talk about it. Um, <laughs> Just I'm not sure, but I, I certainly prayer and meditation. Uh, I um, I use affirmative prayer. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't like the prayer of begging and um, pleading, and I think that's uh, insulting to. It's insulting to that energy which we find it convenient to call God our source. Our source. It's it's 
it's assuming that God is a petty, vindictive um, humanoid. <laughs> Um, I think affirmative prayer is, is, and I found, I have found, practically speaking, I have found affirmative prayer to be effective beyond uh, my wildest expectations um, in, in ways that, that really just are even shocking. And, and I mean, you, if, if you've read Chapter 3 of, of Abundance Triggered, some of the things that, that I recount, I mean, it's enough to curl your hair, really. And, right. Um, um, and also, I heard you lecture on those as well. Yes. So yes. And I, I think that um, meditation, meditation is a way of resting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, a, it's a way of, um, I, I, I came to meditation, um, well, through, my, I kind of found my own way to do it, but, but and as I got into college, I studied it in a formal way and, and, and began teaching it in, in a formal way as well. And um, meditation yoga is about, it's, it's union, it means union. So mm-hmm. you're basically putting yourself in a, in a you're resting in, mm-hmm. in with yourself. You know, with, I, I found where you said, this is so wonderful, you said prayer is the courtship. <laughs> when the meditation begins with the mantra, that is like the lover focusing his attention. I love this. The courtship, yeah. focus, and then you're, you're yeah. in the moment. It's, yeah, it's beautiful. And I love what you just said as well. Um, Thank we you. have a couple of minutes left, and um, I just want to ask you, I, I know you're always doing so much, so just, you know, what's next for you? What are you working on? Do you have any publications or events or anything I that do. you'd like to put out? I do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, since you brought up the courtship thing, uh, the, what I'm working on right now is my next book of love poems, spiritual love poems or sacred love poems. And that really is the 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 courtship, the, the love that we have for the beloved, our the person the person that we love, and the love that we have for God. I, I'm interested in that chord. I'm interested in. I mean, just like Rumi, Rumi's poems really do that same thing, and Fees and and all these these wonderful poets before us um, really spoke to that same thing. You know, seeing God in the beloved. And and also seeing God as the beloved, as you were just alluding to. I, mean, I that's very interesting and compelling for me. And so, um, so I've I have the books of love poems are really on that theme. And the next one, um, sacred love, will I'm hoping for a January release. Um, working on the illustrations right now, and I'm very excited about that. And and uh, after that. Is um is a book for very young children, oh, and um, I'm super <laughs> excited. I, I, I mm-hmm. having a little grandson has really just shifted shifted me in ways that I didn't anticipate. People, people, my girlfriends were saying to me, "Well, just you wait until your grandmother. <laughs> you're just going to be in love with that." And I'm, I, you know, I was looking forward to it, but I had no clue how oh, exciting and beautiful. wonderful. <laughs> And so, children so, do that. Yep, they too. Well, thank you so, so much. It's been such a pleasure talking with you, and I just wish you the best of luck with the release of your new book. Oh, and thank you. Same to you. Everything. Okay. <laughs>
Um, I'm going to go ahead and close now, and you have a wonderful night. <laughs> Thanks, Melissa. Bye. Bye-bye. Before we close, I'd like to let our listeners know that you can subscribe, donate, or purchase single issues of Teferit Journal at our website, www.teferitjournal.com. As well, you can find out about upcoming events such as Jude Rittenhouse's six-week webinar, Exploring the Divine Feminine, which starts on January 7th. While you're at the site, be sure to also check out the new Teferit Talk book. It's a collection of our best interviews from the first year of Teferit Talk Radio and is available for purchase at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other bookstores, as well as at the website where we offer a free copy monthly through our giveaway. I'd like to thank my executive producer and Teferit publisher, Donna Berstein, producer and Teferit associate editor, R.J. Jeffries, contributing editor and assistant producer, Udo Hentz, and Michelle Mangan for their work every month in helping the show to run smoothly. Our next interview will be January 9th from 7 to 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Krista Tippett. We hope you'll join us then, and in the meantime, we wish you peace, love, happiness, and fulfilling work. Until then.